Hi everybody, welcome to the Star Wars Historians. Here we are on the second phase of our Star Wars rewatch, and I just have one question for the audience. Is your microphone on? Because all of our microphones are on. And all of our microphones include my co-host, David Gonzalez. What's up everyone? And our esteemed guests from last uh, rewatch episode, and with us again, are the Toolies, Abby and Cody Tooley. What up? Hey. That was Cody and then Abby, in case you were curious as to which one was which. <laughs> I know sometimes. Voice. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to distinguish voices, Whoa. and I'm sympathetic to that. But mm. um, hey, mm. let's just get into it. We're talking about what is arguably the best Star Wars. Movie. I can't even say. What <laughs> no, don't even say that. Um, <laughs> um not not the best. Um, and in fact, many people would consider this one of the worst, especially before the sequel movies. But there's a lot of really good gems in this movie. Um, and I, I have a feeling that I might have the most positive view on this um, episode in this chat. But we'll we'll find out in a moment. Um, but I just wanted to pose the question to y'all. Uh, were there any kind of... What are your thoughts on the rewatch? Well, this movie i would say probably is one of the ones that growing up i had ranked as one of my favorites but that's mainly because like i said last time this was the first star wars i remember watching as a child was this movie because i saw it in movie theater and i don't know i just always really enjoyed the story i think there's some really great scenes um that we'll talk about that i really enjoyed um, when I go back and watch it now, I recognize that it's not the best Star Wars movie, <laughs> um, and it definitely has its has its downsides, but it still holds a really nostalgic place in mm. my heart. I love this episode just because of the memories that I hold with it. Mm. But. Yeah, this is probably one of the first uh, prequel movies that I got to. W- I remember watching as a kid. Um, it happened to be the one that we had at the house, and mm. so I remember watching you know, episode two over and over again. And then I was so excited when I got to watch episode three. And then I was super excited when I got to watch episode one. I was like, wait. But, you know, as far as, like, dialogue and stuff goes, like, it may not be one of the best, but I think that there's a whole lot of redeeming qualities that um, still make it kind of a good movie. Um, you know, music is, is probably the best, I think, out of all the episodes. And hmm. I think it sets up a lot of the plot in a way that, if you'd never watched Star Wars before, uh, it really fits into that, um, you know, George Lucas formula of first episode being character introduction. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, second episode is like plot stuff. There's a whole lot that's in there that I think makes some of the characters my favorite, even if the movie is not my favorite. Yeah, I think for me on the rewatch, it, it's funny because especially when we talk about the fighting scene and I mean, we'll get into this in more detail, but just to kind of give you some background of, on my, my past with this film, when my father and my brother and I would reenact scenes, you know, as all kids and star Wars fan fathers do, one of the scenes that we would reenact was the Dooku Skywalker Kenobi, you know, of, this time we'll take him together. No, I'm taking him now. Anakin, no, yeah. no. Like, <laughs> we would do that. 
and one of uh, one of my either me or my brother would throw ourselves up against the wall being you know shocked with force lightning yeah um so this movie has a lot of great things about it on the rewatch i believe that we watched this probably the day after phantom menace and coming off with how amazing i thought the phantom menace was and like i said before it went up in my rankings attack of the clones just was disappointing it didn't mm-hmm. give me that same excitement that same feeling and, and and not saying that it was all bad or it's not watchable or anything like that um this is in my opinion probably this one's at the bottom of my list for star wars films and i still love them all but the reality is it's just it's it doesn't move me in the same way as all the other films do more than this one See, that's funny because I very much, I don't know if I can say that I was super touched by this movie in, on this rewatch. Uh, I think there were certainly mm-hmm. moments where I was, like with Anakin and his mother uh, mm-hmm. and with yes. other situations yes. that are kind of akin to that. Uh, but while that might not have necessarily been kind of my reaction to this movie, there are a lot of things, and, and David knows about this more than uh, the others, because as I was watching it, I was basically giving kind of a running commentary. Um, actually made the joke that uh, it should just, at this point, just release the Star Wars Historian's technical commentary, like a, like a Bible commentary. <laughs> and Because yeah. as I was watching this one, I was really coming at it from kind of a particularly critical lens, not like film criticism but kind of Mm -hmm. star wars history and story and i think that this movie just adds so much and is really at the end of the day kind of it's situated in the star wars world so well and frames and foreshadows in such a good way that uh i i kind of came out with a more positive view of this movie than i had whenever i came into watching it um, before I, I watched it this time, it was probably, it was one of those movies that I probably have seen the least. And that's kind of, for the most part, how I define how much I like one of the Star Wars movies. And so the ones that I've seen the least are the ones that I care the least about. And that's generally The Force Awakens, uh, Phantom Menace, and Attack of the Clones. But... Yeah, I don't know. I, I just really enjoyed my watch this time. We're, we're not going to talk about everything, every ex- extreme detail of the story right now. We're going to save that for, you know, our conversations just back and forth after the summary. But I'll go ahead and start it. Um, and Luke, jump in. Feel free to come in at when we get to Kenobi's side of the story. Yeah. Uh, but here, here we go. So we learned from the opening crawl that several systems are intending to succeed from the uh, Republic to join Count Dooku, the leader of the Separatists. So Padme, at the same time, is traveling back to Coruscant as now she's the senator of Naboo, replacing Palpatine. I mean, we didn't, probably not replacing him because he's, you know, been out of that position for a while now. But she's now the senator and she's looking to vote against the Military Creation Act um, because the Republic feels that, okay, Separatists are now growing in size. We need, like, war is possibly happening. Uh, and so they tried to create a military and 
Padme is against it and is looking to vote against it. So as she's traveling uh, to Coruscant and lands, there is an assassination attempt on her life, which kills her body double Corday. From there, we see the Jedi and Senator Palpatine talk through, you know, the multiple systems leaving and the possibility of war, which Mace Windu says a line that I really, really enjoyed. That mm-hmm. doesn't happen often, but he, he, he has this line where he says, we are keepers of the peace, not soldiers, meaning that they cannot fight the war for the Republic if the Chancellor's negotiation fails. Now, through all this, you know, Padme comes in and he said, uh, uh, the Chancellor says, all right, I must return to the amazing world of politics or something like that. So they walk in and there's an agreement between the Jedi and the Chancellor to send Master Kenobi to protect Padme, much to the Senator's chagrin. With that, we see an older Kenobi and Skywalker, who's his Padawan learner. We see the growing pains of an emotional, emotionally driven Skywalker as he seems to be still infatuated with the Senator and just learning his place as a Padawan with his master. Um, through this, we see another assassination attempt is made by a female bounty hunter named Zam. Now, what, what's interesting about this, and I'm just going to say, so Dooku wants to kill Padme, so she sends a bounty hunter. That bounty hunter sends another bounty hunter. That bounty hunter sends a droid, and that droid sends the bugs. That and so it's the, never... Yeah. So, so it's like a cycle of just... People sending people to kill Padme. But anyway, so he sends it through uh, this droid sends, you know, these bugs. But Anakin stops it as he and Kenobi kind of sense what's going on. Uh, Kenobi jumps through a window uh, onto the droid. And then we see this amazing chasing of Zam uh, by Kenobi, who is saved by Anakin on a speeder as Zam shoots the droid as it seems to be coming back to her we see skywalker jump out of the speeder onto zam after it seems that he lets her get away because he feels like oh i know a shortcut this is a shortcut i think um so they're kind of like fighting you know in in the air but they crash on the lower levels of coruscant by cantina where zam runs in there and then the two jedi follow she tries to kill Kenobi uh, while he tells someone to go home and rethink their life through Death Sticks. And I just think that's a great, uh, just Kenobi, his wit at his best, you know. Mm. Uh, but Kenobi cuts her blaster hand off as she attempts to kill him. So Anakin aggressively asks her to tell them who sent her to kill Padme. And she's killed by a toxic, toxic dart by the mysterious bounty hunter that, that sent Zam. So then the decision is made that the senator is in so much danger that she needs to be sent back to Naboo with Anakin as her protector while Kenobi is sent to find out who is trying to kill her. We have this really great scene where Kenobi shares his concerns of the arrogance that Anakin has with Windu and Yoda. And again, they remind him there's a prophecy of the chosen one. He's the only one who can bring the force back into balance. So then we, at this point, we see the splitting of stories between Kenobi and Skywalker. So Luke, go ahead, uh, take it away with Kenobi. Right. So the first thing we see down this line of the story is Kenobi goes to this place that's very familiar if you were a child in the early 2000s, Dex's Diner. It's familiar, of course, because it is the, the kind of home base of the very first Lego Star Wars game. 
so he mm, goes to yes. Dex's diner because Dex is this uh, basilisk that evidently knows just stuff. Um, I don't know why. That's fine though because he's he's really <laughs> he's a really likable character. Uh, and yeah, at he Dex's is. diner, he he finds out that it is a Kaminoan uh, saber dart, and that uh, it's from this race of people who are cloners, and yet. Um, there doesn't seem to be any information about this planet, Kamino. In fact, Obi-Wan goes to the archives, and we see this really interesting scene uh, where he's kind of considering this this statue head of Count Dooku. And mm. I'm not sure how much time is actually given to it in the proper movie, but in a deleted scene, we learn a little bit about uh, kind of why Count Dooku backed away from his role as a Jedi and a little bit more story behind there. And of course, if you've read Jedi Lost or listened to it, as David and I have, um, you learn a lot more about Dooku there, which mm-hmm. as an aside yeah. is very helpful whenever you're watching this movie to have all that information running in the back of your head. In any case, he uh, gets some help from Yoda and kind of comes to the conclusion that somebody has deleted the information of Camino from the Jedi archives where it was just missing for whatever reason. And if it's not in the archives, then it doesn't exist unless of course somebody deletes it. And so he goes to the place where Camino is supposed to be, which I think is like with my understanding of hyperspace travel is very dangerous because he could just easily just crash into a moon or the planet itself. So it's, mm-hmm. it's very good that he didn't. Um, but he goes down and the Kami Nolans are kind of just waiting for him, which is bizarre. Uh, because it was a Jedi, or so they heard, that uh, issued, the ar- the issued the making of a clone army. Uh, in fact, it's Jedi sifo who we learn a little bit about through um, kind of well, we learn almost nothing about him in the movie except that he died before the time whenever he was supposedly making this army. And that, um, and then in the Clone Wars, we see kind of an image of him or a illusion of him that, uh, that Palpatine is using, or Sidious, I suppose. In any case, uh, we see this grand army of the Republic this grand army of the Republic, which hasn't been confirmed yet, but it, it's, it's there. It's, it's present. And we learn that they are based off of the DNA and are trained by a bounty hunter named Django Fett. And so the only thing we know about Django Fett at this point really is that, well, once we see the armor, we were cued into the fact that he's the one who was going after Padme. But, of course, he is also Boba Fett's father because Jango Fett only asked for the regular payment, which was sizable, and a unaltered clone to be his son. Um, we, we see a lot of good little details uh, just kind of that are dropped in this moment. Um, for one, I really like the tension between Jango and Obi-Wan as they're just talking and then, of course, their fight scene, um, which is great. But we see little uh, hints of information such as that Jango Fed was hired by a man named Tyrannus, 
which we will later find out is the Sith name for Count Dooku. And uh, as Obi-Wan is kind of headed out, he, he makes a call to... This is actually the first time I ever noticed this, David. I'm not sure if you had noticed it before, or Abby and Cody, but uh, Obi-Wan tells R4 to call the old folks home, which I, uh, I looked up the Wikipedia article because I thought it's like, surely... Surely these close, close captions are, are wrong. Like, this just doesn't make sense. Apparently, Old Folks Home is kind of a, a code that is used a couple of times in the Star Wars canon to refer to the, the Jedi Council. And so, that's fun. Uh, as Kenobi uh, kind of calls the Council, they tell him to bring Fett in for questioning. And as soon as Obi-Wan gets close to Fett... Uh, Boba yells out and Jango starts shooting and we see a really good fight uh, between Jango and Obi-Wan that, that ends with Obi-Wan apparently being left for dead or at least it's so uh, uh, that's what it seems like to Jango and so Jango flies off but at the last moment Obi-Wan throws a tracking device on him and he follows them through space to the, out, the outer part of Geonosis where we get to enjoy a, a space flight scene between Django and Obi-Wan, in which we realize that Obi-Wan doesn't like flying, and that <laughs> Django has the best-sounding arsenal in the galaxy as, mm. <laughs> with the mm. seismic charges. <laughs> yep. And uh, mm. kind of... Yeah. Before we head to Naboo, just kind of we're left off with... Uh, Obi-Wan pulling the same trick that Solo pulls in uh, Empire Strikes Back, where he's kind of just fly he, he disappears by landing on an asteroid. Solo does it by landing on the Star Destroyer. And he fools the Fets into thinking that he's gone. Um, but of course he isn't, and we'll see him on Geonosis in just a moment. Yeah, so at this point, we have basically the ending of of that story and then we'll come back to it here in a second but skywalker and padme head to naboo and we see their love develop on this planet that results in a kiss by the beach conversations in the plains at the dinner table and a very dimly lit living room uh, where they profess their love their attraction and caring for one another but decide that it's not possible for them to be together uh, anakin starts to have even more nightmares about his mother which he had conversations about with um, Obi-Wan at the beginning of the film uh, and that he needs to take Padme with him to Tatooine so he can search for and save his mother. He finds out when they get to Tatooine that Watto sold her to Lars, who freed her and married her before she was taken by the Sand People over a month ago. Skywalker, at this point, he says, I need to find her. Like they said, she's dead, son accept it but he doesn't skywalker tracks them down and sees his mother one last time as she dies in his arms where we see a grief-stricken skywalker kill not just the men but the women and the children of the sand people of that specific where he was at uh, he blames himself kenobi uh, and he vows to never let that happen again because he he, he should be the most powerful Jedi ever. That, that is the, the, what, what he's been told um, by Palpatine. 
when he was rece- when he received the assignment for the first time. Uh, now, in connection with this, Kenobi is um, he enters you know this kind of droid factory place, and he and he finally finds the room of Separatists with Count Dooku, uh, and hears for himself the assassination plans for Padme. And when he tries to make a call back to Coruscant, he realizes he's too far to range. Okay, well, Anakin is on Naboo. I'll contact him so he can contact the Republic. Well, at that point, he's dumbfounded because they're not on Naboo. They're what on the Tatooine. Blazes is he the blazes doing that? He, yes, yes. Uh, but he he eventually just says, okay, well, I'll, I'll call there. And as he's doing that, he is um, captured by some uh alicia calls them master destroyers is what she calls them (laughs) uh but they're captured which that frequency is sent from by anakin to the republic they tell him to stay where he is and protect the senator while they go rescue kenobi um to where padme says no we're not going to do that we're, I'm going to go save Obi-Wan. I guess you're going to have to just come along. So they do. They head head to Geonosis. But with that, we have this probably one of the best scenes in this film right now. Where Dooku goes to Kenobi as Kenobi is just kind of like hanging there. Um, and just Christopher Lee's performance as Dooku was just so good. And the conversation is, uh, oh, no, this is a mistake, a terrible mistake. They've gone too far. And then they start talking about Qui-Gon for a split second of, I wish he were still alive. I could really use his help right now. Because he shares a terrible truth with Kenobi, and that's a Sith Lord named Darth Sidious who controls the Republic. Um, you know, you know he, he's controlling the Republic. And he asked for Kenobi to join him. And they will, together they will destroy the Sith. Um, which Kenobi doesn't accept. And then Dooku says they can no longer guarantee his release. He says it might be some time before I secure your release. And then the next time we see uh, him, yeah. he's chained up in the Col- uh, Coliseum. Um, honestly, I think... And, and then I, I guess we'll kind of transition into the, the next part now is so Anakin and Padme show up. They go through the the gauntlet of this droid factory and eventually end up both captured, alive, but captured. And so we are then shown them in chains and on a uh, kind of chariot headed into the arena of this Geonosis Coliseum where faced with almost certain death, and uh, Padme confesses her love for Anakin, to which Anakin's like, well, I thought we'd agreed not to be in love. And uh, Padme just like, well, we're not going to be we're not going to be living alive because I don't think we're going to live much longer. And so they go out They're They're brought out to this lovely tune, this this lovely um, kind of swelling music of I believe it's across the stars. Uh, it is. mixed with something yeah. else mm-hmm. um, and they go out and we start the Coliseum scene and legitimately I think there's not a single bad scene that takes place on Geonosis I don't think 
But the columns, I, I texted David earlier today saying that the Coliseum kind of scene, like everything that takes place in this part of the movie is like one of the top 10 moments of Star Wars. Agreed. With, I, Absolutely. I'm pretty sure. Um, and so at first it looks like Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Padme are going to be put to death by these different wild animals that come from all over the place. We have an Acklay. That's what the big green thing is called. I have a Nexu, that's the, the cat-like thing with a lot of teeth. And then the Reek, the, the rhinoceros with scales. Um, but that doesn't seem to go very well for the, the Separatists because they very quickly get out of their restraints and have got the animals under control. Uh, and so they start sending in droids. And as about the same time that they start sending in droids, we get a shot of Mace Windu walking down a hallway and he holds up his lightsaber to Django and says, this party's over. That's my dad's favorite line in Star Wars. It's pretty <laughs> good. I hate it so much. It's a pretty good line. And then he says, uh, brave but foolish, my old friend. Um, and then we have this new visual of these droids we've not seen before. We, we're used to the regular battle droids. We're used to the destroyer droids. But now we have the super battle droids, which are their own little threat. Honestly, I think they're... They were hyped up a little bit, but they were not, you don't, they don't seem that special. And maybe that's, maybe part of the reason is that they're just like a basic unit in Battlefront 2, but I don't know. In, in Clone case, Wars, they were a lot more beefy than they are in the movie, it seems like. But yeah. their blasters are like super hardcore. That's just true. coming down the hallway, shooting at Mace Windu. They definitely shoot a lot faster than the regular battle droids. Uh, so we then... All of these Jedi are revealed that have been hiding amongst the crowd and they go out and there's just carnage, just nonstop fighting in the arena until eventually there are so many droids that after many losses, the uh, Jedi are kind of all stuck in the center of the arena and Count Dooku calls for their surrender. And Mace Windu says, we'll, we're not going to be hostages for you to barter with. And so Count Dooku says, very well. And he begins to give the order to kill them. And Padme says, look! And you see a whole bunch of these, I forget what they're actually called, the the gunships, the, the clone trooper gunships come down and there's some Star Destroyers in the distance. Uh, I guess they're probably acclimators or something. Anyways. And the clones are here. And the clones are fighting... Uh, the droids and uh, just vastly outnumbered even this seemingly endless supply of droids so that the trade federation and all the separate ships have to start retreating. And during this retreating phase, uh, Count Dooku is seen to be kind of headed out. Um, we see some other important details, but I wanted to, to shorten it down a little bit. And so we get this wonderful fight scene between Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Dooku, and then afterwards Yoda and Dooku, which ends with Obi-Wan and Anakin injured, Anakin missing a hand, and Dooku escaping. And he escapes to Coruscant, of all places. And uh, we learn that, really, the the clones, the droids, this war was all planned by... This Sith Lord. And so 
there is, although there was a victory at Geonosis, Yoda says it very well whenever he says, no, this isn't, this isn't a victory. This is only the beginning of the Clone Wars. And then credits. Oh, also, uh, Anakin gets married. <laughs> to Padme. <laughs> There's just so, so much that happened in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things to, to kind of unpack. But before we do that, let, I'm just going to ask the question, what are what are some things that you absolutely loved about this film? I mean, a, as much as I talked about, you know, that I, I struggled with this one a lot more, uh, and this is probably the one that I struggle with the most of all the films, I, I, I guess I'll go first in saying one of the things that I, uh, the many things that I love about this uh, film is everything that has to do with Kenobi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Like mm. just him being the one who finds all of this stuff out. Yeah, you know he's the one who 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 goes to Camino. He is the one who discovers uh, the clone army. He is the one who discovers the true intentions of Dooku, mm-hmm. and, and all of these different kinds of things. Man, mm-hmm. he he was just as as much as people in Revenge of the Sith believe that Kenobi was given you know just not a lot to do i mean he he faces grievous but that's really just to send him away and do something a lot of people say but in this film he's in the thick of it again establishing himself as the gajot because who who is the one who is trusted with this mission kenobi is Mm -hmm. um because he gets stuff done you know (laughs) he he just he just finished a border dispute you know and now yeah, he's he being sent on another mission. No, no rest, no rest for Obi Wan. No rest. Mm-mm. Absolutely none. But anyway, what what did you guys like? What really stood out to you? We can we can sit on this for for a bit. <laughs> oh yeah. I I think what I really enjoyed about this movie is that we got to see a lot more of the Star Wars universe. Like they went to so many different planets in this movie. You get Tatooine. Mm-hmm. You get Naboo. You get Coruscant. You get Kamino. You get Geonosis. Um, I think that's... Did I hit all of them? There's not any more, right? I think that was it, yeah. Yeah. But I think I just really enjoyed it. This movie, I do feel like kept my attention pretty well for, for most of it. Um, and and I think you, you guys are right, or Luke, you're right. Like, everything that happened on Geonosis, loved it. It's yeah. all so good. Um one of my favorite scenes is like, you know, the Geonosis arena battle. Mm-hmm. Um, David, you talked about, yeah, <laughs> David, you talked about like acting out Star Wars with your family and like playing. And I think that's what I remember. Mm-hmm. I had a friend who would, would, you know, play out Star Wars with me as a kid. And we would always reenact the Geonosis arena scene. Cause I had this little <laughs> toy blaster <laughs> and I would be shooting around like Padme in the backyard <laughs> Um, with my blaster and I don't know I just I think it it does a really good job of holding your attention and revealing a lot about Palpatine's or um you know Darth Sidious's plan call this a diplomatic solution yeah (laughs) I think no I call it aggressive negotiations I do really appreciate getting to see I think after I watched Clone Wars the tv show 
I do appreciate going back now and watching the setup for that mm. in this movie. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, yeah. I don't know. I I think it connects everything really well. I think this movie is crucial to the Star Wars mm. series. Mm-hmm. And even yeah. though it's yeah. got its downsides, there are things that I don't love about it. But I think that it is a crucial movie and I I enjoy it. You know, as I've been thinking about it, I'm pretty sure the one bad thing that really just kind of sours the whole pot is the love story of, and like how it's portrayed. Yeah, I like the idea of the love story. I don't like how it was played out. Yeah, because uh, the dialogue. Yeah, because the dialogue made Anakin very uh, like stalker esque. I guess you could say, uh, like when she's, she says, "Don't look at me," he's like, "Sorry, my lady." You know, so like just the the random like looks and stuff. But, again, like, I think I mentioned this last episode. Um, I mean, Palpatine, in my opinion, is the greatest villain of, like, all time. And you just see that. Like, David mentioned the Palpatine wanted to kill Padme, so he sent Dooku, and Dooku sent Jango Fett, and Jango Fett sent Zam, and Zam sent the robot, and the robot sent... Like, past uh, Count Dooku, who I think is a horrible Sith Lord and, like, a horrible bad guy, uh, hey, yeah, I'm standing really. by How that. dare you? I'm standing by that. Uh, he almost literally ruined the whole thing for Palpatine with Obi-Wan. He's like, what if I tell you that the entire... Yeah, it's bad time. Um, but man, Palpatine has like such an incredible like way of seeing everything um, and like sets everything up that you're you're like, you're, you slowly... Because it's, it's... I remember watching as a kid like kind of being confused as to like really what's happening. Um, but then I realized later like, Oh, Palpatine's literally in control of everything. Mm-hmm. Like, Count Dooku mm-hmm. is yeah. charismatic and he's a good sword fighter, but really, you know, he's like super secondary to the guy who's actually running everything and controlling everything. You're and gonna, uh, I'm gonna pretend like you you didn't diss Dooku in the last. Few <laughs> well, days, but I will hey, stand by that. You, you know those de- TikToks. Let's debate that. You know yeah, those TikTok that's, videos that's where I got where that. It basically yeah, yeah. ends in the oh no, oh <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, yeah. I, like as soon as he said that, the music started playing, hey, and man. Luke and I were just like, "All right, we're putting on the gear because, <laughs> man, that is a hot take if I've ever heard." Let's one uh, let, let's Count talk Duke. about it though. Let's talk about it. Yeah, no, let's talk about it. Dooku is definitely one of my favorite villains. I don't know if we have enough time to talk about him in this episode, but maybe in the future. We'll have we'll have an episode yeah. debating because uh, I know Cody's been wanting to debate about Mace Windu for a little while. We'll have an episode. Let's just have a characters oh, breakdown, okay. a characters break. discussion. <laughs> we'll either we'll either do an episode for each, or maybe uh, depending on how long they take, we'll do both in one episode. In any you case, have to do a hot take episode. <laughs> in any case, uh, I, I have to agree with Cody that we do see a lot of uh, Palpatine's control in this situation and. Actually, kind of Mm -hmm. as I was watching it this time, I thought, you know what? I think Palpatine had an inkling as to not only Anakin's feelings for Padme, but also Padme's feelings for Anakin. Because Mm -hmm. it was his idea for Kenobi and Anakin to kind of be the guard for Padme. And then, again, that led to Anakin being tasked with keeping her safe. Um. I want to offer up a little bit of a defense, a little bit of an apologetic for the love story in this movie. And I know that this is going to be a really bad take because everybody hates it. And and rightfully so for the most part, there's just a couple of things that I want to make clear. 
One, Hayden Christensen is playing a a teenager who has been taught all of his life to restrain his mo- emotions and has never once been taught how to really deal with relationships or love or expressing emotions or things like that. So we can't expect that much from him. The second thing is that Padme says a lot of weird stuff too in this movie. And I think we all gloss over that. And I don't know why. No, I agree. I was going to say my Anakin's a little creepy, but I'll admit Padme's dialogue and I, maybe Natalie Portman's acting. I'm not really sure which one it is. It's still very much, still very much like, no, we can't. You know, I don't know. It's just, I, it's not great either. It's not just yeah. Hayden Christensen. I think he gets all the mm. flack for it, but I don't think it's his yeah. fault. Like right before they go into the Coliseum, like we always like to make fun of Anakin saying, you're in my soul tormenting me. Because that's such a good pickup line. But we always forget about Padme <laughs> saying, I've been dying a little bit each day since you came back t- into my life. Like, that's, that's how, not uh, equally just <laughs> dramatic and weird. Um, that's also, how I asked Abby to marry me. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, also, there's a, a, a point that I think gets left out a lot. in the scenes that we see with Padme and Anakin in the planes, where they it's very clear that they like each other and that they're very fond mm-hmm. of each other. So it's mm-hmm. not as bizarre as, as people make it out to be. Now, certainly a lot of the writing and a lot of the acting is a little bit weird and creepy. And mm-hmm. yes, that's correct. I just think we need to kind of, if we're coming at it with an even hand, it's just, it's not as bad as I think we, tend to think of it and it's not as much Hayden's fault as people make it. Right. I mean, this the love story is really crucial to kind of the downfall of Anakin. So I don't yeah, know I if think it's, it's important. Yes, yeah. I don't know if that's really, you know, like the the contribution to the story uh, is the issue as much as it is just the acting and the dialogue. Um, you know, it's just yeah. it is it's very angsty, very sci-fi-esque. And that, I mean, it's just, like, really cheesy, like, you know, kind of early sci-fi. Mm. Um, you know, if, if anybody were to watch it who's not already a Star Wars fan, they'd right. go, like, really? This is this is what you like? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, we also have to look at it as, you know, we're looking at it through the lens, especially for the, the older Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. You know, they saw the love story between Han Solo and Princess Leia. They saw and... the love story between Luke and and Leia. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Uh, Sweet and home they Alabama. just say, man, that was really good. Why was it really good? Well, because, you know, they were like literally every day was them escaping death. It was them escaping the Empire. And the the conversations that they had were real and it, it, it seemed like a, a like Han Solo the scoundrel saying scoundrel like things and Princess Leia being you know really interested in that probably for the first time in her life and you know they let that story just kind of develop over time between four five and, and, and doing that right and doing that well well when you look at it from you know Attack of the Clones and Anakin and Padme um, it all just seems to happen all of a sudden at mm-hmm. times. 
uh, especially when you're looking at, you know, their first kiss. You know, that seemed to just come out of nowhere. But like Luke said, when you look at their conversations and, and just how how they interact on the planes, like that that was really good. Like that mm-hmm. was that was really enjoyable. And okay. even even with them at the dinner table, that was also a, a great to see. It, I think it's just that beach scene and also just that living room scene that just you, you just got to go, ah, man, like that's. Yeah, that's cringeworthy. Yeah, but it's, rough. it's important. Yeah. yeah, but it's important. And and there's some again. I think we could say with this film, there's a lot of those gems that we find uh, in mm-hmm. in this film, especially with and, that love story. And the funny thing is, is that as much as I think the dialogue for the love story is is rough to deal with for the most part, this is actually a movie, and this is going to be probably a hot take. Uh, because I just thought about it in the last like hour, but I actually really (laughs) like the writing in this movie a lot. There are a lot of quotable lines. Like yeah, a lot of the prequel memes that we see come from episode two. And yeah, Mm -hmm. like Obi-Wan has so many good ones. Like you want to go home and rethink your life. Uh, Or I hate it when he does that. Um, Sand. (laughs) It's coarse near to you. Or, or how about, you know, you, you can even quote the entire Django Kenobi conversation. <laughs> Possibly. Once or twice. Once or Possibly. twice. Once or twice. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why, but I think Just... one of my favorite moments is when Yoda's with all the younglings and mm-hmm. he's like, Master Kenobi's lost a planet. <laughs> how embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how embarrassing. Uh, can, can we also say that those those younglings are, are pretty adorable? They're cute. Ooh, can we just say so that? Cute. They're very cute. Cody, don't say something terrible because I know you're about to. <laughs> yeah, Hold he up. was thinking it. Why? His mouth was open on that. <laughs> no, what are you talking about? What He's about to say? say something. You're going to say something. I will I say it. one of the biggest complaints about this movie that I hear, and my mom is one who really, with this movie, the biggest thing for her, she's like, Anakin's mm. just so whiny. He's so whiny. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I'm like, I mean, it comes across that way, but I also think it was supposed to because yeah. he's oh. a teen. Yeah. How, I mean, how quickly we forget, oh, he's going to go to Tashi Station to get some power converters. Right. How quickly we forget <laughs> yeah. how whiny Luke But was. he's dealing with love, the loss of his mother, and the confusion of people not trusting him all the time. I'd be angsty, too, and, and I being, felt like the people around me didn't trust me. Right. Being mm-hmm. told by Palpatine that you are going to be the best Jedi in the world, and then being kind of held back by Obi-Wan... It's mm-hmm. it's not. I mean, you try you try fair. being in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and even we have to remember that Anakin is nineteen years old in this movie. Yeah. Okay. Weren't we whining like at nineteen years old about you know, life in general and those I'm kinds of things? Of course we were. Mm-hmm. But again, I think it's the idea of for some reason some people want their heroes to already be grown up mm. they don't really they, they want them to face trials and stuff like that but not show the immaturity as these films are willing to do in order to be real because luke he was whiny at 19 years old and rightfully so like we we talk, and we're going to talk about that you know when we cover that episode but like that that's just the difference and to me, an unfair criticism of this film because we don't allow our heroes mm. to grow up and mature. 
yep. in that kind yeah. of way. Yeah. I think the Anakin that everybody wanted and that everybody wants is Clone mm-hmm. Wars Anakin. Mm. Yeah. You know, the mm. great yeah. the great warrior who's kind. Cody and I were just watching Rebels again today and Ahsoka was like <sighs> he so surprised everyone because of how great of a warrior he mm. was but also how kind and mm-hmm. generous he was. And yeah. that's the Anakin that I always hoped to see but didn't really get from the movies as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um we saw a little bit of it at the beginning of episode 3. But this mm-hmm. this movie is not not the Anakin that I think we all kind of expected. Right, it's not the Anakin be, that Obi Wan really describes at the beginning right. of Episode Four. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah. everyone gets, you know, it's a growing experience, a coming of age. It's mm-hmm. he's getting there. This is just his beginning. Mm-hmm. He's a Padawan. Yeah, yeah, he he is a Padawan, and and we see. Anakin having to really deal with things for the first time and probably go through things that no Jedi really has had to go through before. I mean, it's probably true. a couple of them did, but I mean, I mean, we talk about the whole situation with his mother, mm-hmm. like what Jedi goes through that. Right. Yeah. I, and while the, the response is insane, the response, like his his response to that, is insane because he, you know, he wipes out an entire, uh, you know, entire tribe of sand people. Yeah. But here's here's one thing about that, and I'm sorry to cut you off mid thought. Yeah. But no, no, no. Go, go, go ahead. I, I realized that in, in this episode, um, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of connections that are details that are kind of slight at the beginning of this movie or like earlier on in this movie mm-hmm. that then pay off later and so one of those thing one of those details is Klieg Lars he is the first person in this movie to refer to the sand people as like animals or as animals and so mm-hmm. whatever you whenever Anakin then goes and sees the brutality that his mother has suffered for him that's what proves that these Tusken Raiders are animals and so why would he care about mm-hmm. slaughtering them as such yeah Right. Yeah. I also, I hadn't really thought much about this, and that's because I'm, you know, still learning a little bit more about Star Wars from, like, or inferencing into it, I guess. I don't know how to phrase it. But, like, I read today that in Star Wars canon that Palpatine had something to do with the Tuscan Raiders taking Anakin's mom. Really? Yeah. I was, cause I like reading through IMDB and I remember reading through that. And that was one of the things that they listed. Not that everything you read on the internet's true, but right. like that was something that they said is that there was supposed to be a reference to it in the movie, but that they cut it out. And it just made, I didn't know if that was something that it was true or that you guys knew about. I don't know if that's a thing, but I was like, man, if that is true, Palpatine literally had his hand in everything to shape Anakin. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. he he really did. Because you look at the whole situation surrounding Anakin. um, And like in episode one, I think Mace Windu is right. Uh, There was a whole lot of wisdom coming from him whenever he said that, man, he's too old. Uh, Because you had mentioned, you know, like he's never been trained how to deal with his emotions. 
Um, but Anakin really, when you think about it, he's the only one that actually had connections and those types of emotions to begin with. Um, every other kid, you know, grew up in the Jedi temple, you know, away from their families and stuff. Whereas Anakin, he had a deep connection with his mother. He had a deep connection, uh, with kind of the outside world and, you know, with falling in love with, you know, Padme. I mean, he was thinking about her, whereas, you know, Obi, like Obi-Wan we see in the Clone Wars has, um, he has, he has a secret love story that we didn't get to hear about, but, uh, you know, Anakin, we really, again, he's, he is having to deal with a whole lot of stuff that really the Jedi order probably wasn't prepared for because they had never really had a whole lot of people that they take in that are much older than infants and stuff. Um, but then you also see like whenever he ki- that moment that he kills all the sand people, um, and Qui-Gon Jinn, uh, who is just so familiar and so in tune with the force mm-hmm. that like Qui-Gon Jinn, you know, you see a lot of references. Uh, he sees the, kind of the coming conflict. He's like, there's, there's something dark. Uh, you know, he was the one who kind of retained consciousness. He's the one who discovered um, uh, uh, Anakin to begin with. And then in the, that point, whenever you see him, you know, Anakin kill the, the Tusken Raiders, that's obviously a turning point for him. You hear Qui-Gon Jinn in the background. Anakin, no! Like he's just screaming oh, yeah. like through the force as he's watching, you know, and if that point had probably changed, man, if like it had gone differently, then man, uh, he would have been the chosen one that um, that he that Qui Gon expected him to. But because of his circumstances and everything, that managed to become a turning point, um, mm-hmm. which is just really really interesting. Yeah. As, as we're running out of time, let's just quickly name best character for you in this film. Probably Obi Wan Kenobi. Not probably. I know it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, for me, man, this is just going to be weird, but I'm down for the clones. The clones are like super cool. Hey, I was that's gonna, a good one. I was, I was considering saying Django, so that's not that weird. Um, clearly Dex is the best character, though. That's fair. That's very <laughs> We've fair. forgotten about Jar Jar's contribution. Just uh, kidding. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, uh, I I would say for me, would it would be, it, it's gonna be Count Dooku. Yeah, he's me. pretty great. Mm-hmm. Count Dooku was mm-hmm. the best character. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to quickly say that I noticed this um, this time that I don't, this movie wasn't trying to be like super funny, which I kind of appreciated. Like there mm-hmm. were jokes and there were even puns and things, but it wasn't like. I don't know. It wasn't that wasn't mm-hmm. what it was really trying to do, and I appreciated that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what are y'all? What are y'all's favorite scenes? I've already kind of said that uh, the Coliseum is mine, but I think the actual attack of the clones, which the movie is named after, is probably oh, one of my favorites. <laughs> oh, my favorite. My favorite scene was whenever uh, they looked up in, into the sky and. Uh, Obi-Wan said, look, it's the attack of the clones. <laughs> Star, <Yep>. Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars. Star Wars. Like Star episode Wars. Two, Star Wars, attack of the clones. Hi, I'm Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, no, I would uh, I would agree. I really like when they're in the, the Coliseum, like the, the arena battle. I don't know. That whole thing's super cool. Mm. Also, as a kid, I loved Yoda and Dooku's 
battle when I was a kid too. That's that gave me goosebumps. Although there's that one scene where they're like Dooku and Anakin are just kind of waving their lightsabers in front of their face. No, sometimes like, you gotta. <laughs> just sometimes you gotta. There's actually a funny TikTok that I'll send to you guys after this about that specific <laughs> scene. It's hilarious, but I think my my favorite scene from this was the conversation of Dooku and Kenobi. That just man. Especially after reading uh, the books, mm. that scene just hits differently because the reason why Dooku tells him all that is because he wants to create mistrust and deception between the Jedi Council and the Chancellor. Because they're going to look at that and says, well, he has control of the Senate, the Republic. There's really only one person that can be. And so they'll they'll be wary of the Chancellor as the Clone Wars and Suzong, which is what Dooku's point was in, in doing all that. Um, and so he comes across as just, he, he, he's the one who's stirring, he, you know, Palpatine sends him to stir the pot mm-hmm. a, 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 in, in that scene. So Yeah. Yeah, in the books, I remember, you know, since we're talking about the books, uh, I can't remember if it was like the novelization of episode three or everything, but like they kind of go away from that scene uh, knowing that they don't know that it's Palpatine because they're like, how could it be Palpatine? He's a good guy, but they know that it's in from like one of the highest seats, which is like, you know, someone from the chancellor's office and stuff. But, you know, mm-hmm. I just, my thing, and I, and I said this earlier and I like to explain it. Uh, Dooku is probably one of my least favorite villains, mainly because like he had a small role to play. I liked him better than, Maul. Uh, I think Maul was, you know, super hardcore fighting, but, you know, Dooku was charismatic and, you know, he had actually stepped away from the Jedi Order. Um, and, he, you know, but as far as like, you know, Sith Lords go, like, he's kind of in between, you know, one, like two apprentices and he was only a placeholder essentially. Um, you know, and so it's just, I think that he's kind of one of those, like, he, he was pretty weak. Uh, considering he just he died pretty quickly, but you know that's just me. I don't know. I mean, well, you just like bashed David's favorite character in the movie. I, I know. I didn't intend on <laughs> it, also, but I had to. This, <clears throat> we we can't judge characters based off of their appearance in Attack of the Clones. We really yeah. can't because, uh, like the Clone Wars, the the Clone Wars itself. If you did it based off of just Attack of the Clones, then Jango is the worst bounty hunter in the world. If you did, it yeah, based off that's of, true. And that's fair. And we clearly see a lot of growth in the Clone Wars series, which is one which, of the greatest right. contributions that came out of yeah. this movie, I think. But, which he tra- he trains Asajj Ventress. I mean, he has that skill of like and training. Grievous. And Grievous. Yeah. So like, he's got that awesome, like he has some really, really cool trainees. But as far as just kind of his, his role, I think it was very <laughs> minimal. Also, I read that Dooku, when they were coming up with like character ideas and like sketches he was supposed to be a girl really but then yeah but then they were like but then they were like no we love this actor we want to make sure that he's in this so they gave him dooku and And then one of the old sketches one of the old sketches that they were going to use for a female dooku was used for for ventress which i thought was interesting okay nice well and, and just one last note on dooku he he wasn't supposed to be like every other sith lord like he wasn't supposed to be like darth vader and wasn't even supposed to be like darth maul 
Like, he was a politician. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that was, he was supposed to be, like, more of a figurehead than an actual, like, Sith apprentice. If anything, right. he was just, you know, almost as if he was a servant of mm-hmm. uh, Darth Sidious. Not right. really the one who is going to be the next in line. Maybe we could even look at Dooku just being a servant, being the figurehead of the Separatist movement that Sidious needed in order to control those people. Right. And that was the role he was supposed to fit more than anything else. Yeah. All right. Well, we've kind of spoiled a lot of what we'll end up talking about for Dooku and the fair or not, I guess, that we'll do for Star Wars. But um, <laughs> it's been great uh, having the toolies here to talk about uh, talk about these first two movies in the rewatch series. We'll have a few different guests, but uh, in the future for the rest of the rewatch series. But I'm sure that. The Toolies will make an appearance again, Abby and Cody. Thank you very much for your time and your for insights into the series. Oh, it's been series. so fun. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to the debate. Indeed. Um, I'm and, looking forward to the verbal smackdown. And I would like to thank my co-host, David, for uh, you know just being a pretty swell guy. And I uh, just love doing this show with all of y'all. And thank you for listening. Uh, hope you all have a, a blessed day. May the force be with you. Once or twice. (laughs) Once or twice.